We try to play with great pace. We try to play with great pace. Ran a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop uh, type actions. Oh, you'll see us play. Some people look at the guy next to him and say, what the hell was that shot? Hell, I could have been Gronk before Gronk was Gronk. And welcome back to another episode of, of Bang Rangs and Daggers. As always, I'm your host out here in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., Kevin Knight. And joining me tonight, we have special guests uh, with us from Ramblin' Wreck, Georgia Tech's SB Nation blog. Uh, we have Reed and Patrick. Uh, Reed and Patrick are both graduates of Georgia Tech from 2016 and both still live in the Atlanta area. They're huge sports fans in general and try to attend as many Tech games as they can, though obviously COVID has made that much more difficult. Um, writing about the team has been fun for them, and uh, they have been with FTRS for a little over a year. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight? We're doing good, Kevin. How about you? Oh, not too bad. You know, it's... Uh, Big 10 ACC challenge time, so it's uh, hard to go wrong with that. Exciting time of the year. It's always <laughs> fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so uh, tell me, guys, the Yellow Jackets went 17-14 and 14 last season, and they went 11-9 and nine in the ACC. Uh, unfortunately, that also included a win over Nebraska in the Big 10 ACC challenge in Atlanta last year. Uh, but so far this season, you guys opened with losses to Georgia State and Mercer, but you got a big win over Kentucky tonight. Uh, what what exactly are the expectations you guys have this season for Tech three games in uh, now? And you know, who, who are the players Huskers should be most aware of? Yeah, well, I, I think we've kind of shared the same thoughts on this. Thought the expectations for this team preseason was definitely um, to make the tournament um, for the first time with Josh Pastner. Um, this is a talented team. Um, it's a veteran team. And uh, it's definitely his best team. Um, unfortunately, obviously, as you know, the season did not start how we expected uh, with those, those two losses to uh, Georgia State and Mercer. Now, it's important to keep a little bit of context in, um, and, and some people outside the program maybe don't know this, but um, Pastor did not have the team um, practicing, um, having any contact practices. Um, and after tonight's game, we really feel that that made a, made a big difference. Um, uh, the team was sloppy and, and was not executing well. And tonight, looked like a completely different team and the team that we were expecting to see. Um, uh, and so we hope that that's not an outlier, but a sign of things to come. And uh, as far as to, uh, players to watch, um, the backcourt is really the focal point of this team. Um, Jose Alvarado is our point guard. He's a senior. He's a great leader and uh, a great forward general. Um, he's a good passer and a good defender. And uh, Mike DeVoe is a combo guard was a great shot. He's been a little bit tentative so far. We want to see him get better. He actually didn't score tonight, but um, he's a great player. And then Moses Wright is um, the big guy in the middle and played tremendous tonight. Um, he can score, he can rebound. Um, he can throw down some dunks. So um, those three are the three to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Reed pretty much nailed it. Uh, <laughs> the contact practice thing I, I think was huge. Um, and hopefully, as he said, that's, uh, the performance tonight is a sign of things to come. It was certainly gut-wrenching to uh, fall to two local teams um, when you have expectations of the NCAA tournament coming in. Um, the Kentucky game reinforced kind of the preseason expectations, and hopefully it gets Tech back on track. Um, as for who to watch preseason, I would have said Michael DeVoe. 
he was our leading scorer last year, but has gotten off to a really rough start this season. And as Reed said, he failed to, failed to score against Kentucky. Um, Moses uh, has been incredible so far, uh, been dominant in every game, has logged 20-plus points in every game. Uh, granted, it's a small sample size, but that's what he did at the end of last season, and that's what I expect him to do going forward. Um, and a member of the supporting cast to watch would probably be Bubba Parham. Um, he was sensational tonight, and I say supporting cast um, because that's what I thought he would be going into this season. However, he's really shown improvement in his second year as a tech uh, player. He transferred from VMI uh, last year, and he's averaged 15 points per game through his first three games. And he's capable of getting very hot uh, from beyond the arc and just makes winning plays on both ends of the floor, despite being uh, pretty undersized. So I do have to give a shout out then to VMI. Virginia Military Institute is the home of uh, my fraternity, Go ATO. Um, so uh, just, just got to chime in with that one. Um, but <laughs> no, uh, so senior forward Moses Wright, and granted my data is pre-Kentucky. I, I didn't have a chance after the game to, to update this. So when I give any stats, anybody listening, we're recording this on Sunday night, uh, a couple hours after the win over Kentucky. So um, I apologize for the off map, but uh, senior forward Moses Wright is you guys leading scorer and rebounder going into tonight with uh, 25 and a half points and 12 boards per game, respectively, through the first two losses of the season. Um, but in addition to that, there are four Yellow Jackets that were averaging double-digit scoring in the first two games as well. So what, what's the deal? Shutting down right going to be the key for the Huskers defensively, or is are they just going to punish us with backcourt depth? I think um, you're going to get something out of Moses, right? For sure. Just because he's going to play a lot of minutes. Um, he, he's like I said, he's, he's the big guy in the front court for us and really the only consistent, reliable returning option. Um, we have a transfer center um, and then also a freshman center that were used sparingly in the first two games and actually didn't play at all tonight. I think mm -hmm. Moses played the entire game. So um, they're going to count on him heavily and uh, he will score. Um, but we do have a plethora of guards that I think, uh, you know, are also going to chip in. And I think the, um, the degree to which they play well uh, will probably decide the result of this game. Um, I, I think, you know, we were lucky, frankly, to win it by as much as we did with DeVoe not scoring any points. He's going to have to be more of a factor. Um, you know, Alvarado as well. Um, Parm really picked up the slack tonight. Mm -hmm. um, if he can do that again, you know, that, that's a huge boon for Tech. Um, so the, those, that trio and then, right. Um, those are the guys to look for. Yeah. I, I completely echo, uh, Reed's thoughts there. Moses is definitely going to get his, um, he can score inside and out. He's obviously more comfortable scoring inside, but he's capable of making that outside jump shot. And he showed some, uh, score, uh, capability of scoring off the dribble today. Uh, so that's another threat that he has in his tool bag. Um, but yes, Moses is definitely the one, the guy to watch if you only had to name one player. Okay. Um, so speaking of uh, big guys who can rebound, uh, Tech is averaging 20 and a half offensive boards a game. And uh, again, the numbers are updated here, obviously, but it was something about 50 and a half, I want to say, uh, total. So how important offensively for you guys are second chance points and how concerned do the Huskers need to be with the fact that 
Hoiberg's system of offense and really defense for that matter is not, not knowing to rebound well at all. So uh, going against those numbers, how, how bad is it going to be for us in terms of not being able to stop um, second chance points against you guys specifically? Yeah. Well, well, Kevin, I think I would take it with just a little bit of grain of salt, just because that first game was so, was so long four overtimes against Georgia state. Um, so the raw numbers were huge um, tonight. I think we only had six, I guess a bigger Kentucky team kind of expected, but if you guys are a smaller team, you know, I, I think that'll probably be a factor. Um, and if your perimeter defense is good, that's tech's going to have to try to score off second chance. Um, if they execute like they did tonight, it won't, be as necessary, but if they execute like they did in the first two games, they may need it. So um, we'll just see how the game goes and uh, and see how necessary it is. Yep. Agree with Reed again here. Um, that four overtime game kind of made it an outlier, but uh, as he was saying, Georgia State is a smaller team as well. So we did pick up a lot of offensive rebounds um, just from them being smaller. And Pastner does emphasize guard rebounds. So our, our guards do crash the glass and uh, put their nose in there um, on the offensive glass. Okay. All right. Uh, so what would you guys say the keys to victory are for Tech? And what correspondingly then do the Huskers need to do in order to get revenge for last, uh, last season's game? Well, uh, on – Tech's offensive end of the floor, I think they just need to take care of the ball. Um, it was a real issue last year, um, and it was an issue big time in the first couple of games. But um, this is a veteran team, and they played like it tonight. They really took care of the ball, valued the ball, um, and I think only had five or six turnovers. Um, we're used to seeing games where they have 15 or 20. Um, uh, so that's, that's the key on that end. Um, and I think on the other end, especially against a team like Nebraska. Um, you know, I, I remember Fred Hoiberg's teams at Iowa State, or at Iowa State they always shot the three-pointer really well. They spaced the floor. Um, you know, if, if you guys knock down a bunch of threes, that's going to keep you in the game. Um, so Tech needs to defend the three better. They didn't do it well against Mercer. It was a little bit better tonight, but they were playing a zone. So um, I would say those are the two big keys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly frustrating, but Tech – really does love to turn the ball over. As Reed was saying, we're used to seeing 15 to 20 a game, which is, is not going to win you, win you the key games where you're in a close game. Um, but as for keys for Nebraska, uh, the three-point line is a key. Um, Tech usually gives up a higher three-point percentage than the other team's season average, uh, and that was the case again tonight. Kentucky struggled mightily um, the first couple games from three, but managed 42% today. And, and that's kind of what we see, what we've seen for the past couple of years. Um, and Tech also struggled against Mercer and Georgia State defending behind the arc. That is music to Fred Hoiberg's system's ears. <laughs> Let me just tell you guys that. Um, now nah, that that's uh, that, that's going to be good for us. <laughs> now, uh, but having said all of that, uh, let's hear your prediction. Who's going to win Wednesday night, and what's the final score going to be? All right. Uh, well, it really depends on which team shows up, Kevin. Um, if the team that showed up against Kentucky shows up again tonight um, or shows up again in Lincoln, I, I think Tech can win fairly comfortably. Uh, but I will hedge my bet a little, given the first two games and pretty embarrassing losses to two local teams. So I'll say Tech wins by five. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on some more thought. Just this 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 is a team that seems to always play to the level of their competition. Exactly. Um, you know, and 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 so as as much as I think they should win by a lot, I think they won last uh, last year against you guys by 17 in Atlanta. Um, this game's on the road, and uh, it's been really really tough to figure this team out so far. So I will say a close win as well by say three points. And uh, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so whenever I get the chance, I really do always love to uh, pick on Kentucky. Um, my sister-in-law is a Kentucky fan, so let me just reiterate how fun it was that you guys got the win over them tonight, by the way. We're glad we could help. <laughs> We're certainly glad we got the win, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, so um, transitioning to the bigger picture, uh, more relevant kind of to, to this week, um, obviously, if Anybody paid attention to preseason polls, uh, Ken Palm advanced metrics, um, you know, whatever system really you want to look at or rankings you want to look at. It's the Big 12 seems to be uh, the big boy on the block in terms of the sheer number of elite teams this season. But when you look one step down, the Big 10 seems to be number two in terms of quality depth. Um, yeah, obviously last season they were the most deep in the country. It looks like it's probably going to be that way again. In you guys' opinion, is that fair, Big 12, Big 10, number one, number two, or is the ACC being seriously undervalued this season, and are they going to surprise people come March and prove the pundits wrong? Yeah, I'm not sure the ACC is being undervalued. Uh, I have them number three as well, um, and, but I'm not so sure the Big 12 is the best conference. I actually think the Big 10 is the best, and Big 12 is number two. Both teams um, – just have more teams that can make a deep run in the tournament than the ACC. And the first couple weeks of the season have uh, really echoed that. Um, seeing UVA struggle through the first few games uh, was certainly surprising to me. Uh, and that's one of the marquee teams in our league. Um, for the Big, Big Ten, you've got uh, four teams in the top 10, which is very impressive. Uh, and then a really nice second tier of uh, Ohio State, Rutgers, uh, Indiana and Michigan. And the fact that a team like Rutgers, who I, I actually really like this year, could get sixth or seventh in the league uh, really shows how deep it is. Um, and I just don't see too many holes in this league. Um, for the Big Ten, Big 12, sorry, uh, they're smaller leagues, so it's harder to say that they're really deep per se. Um, but, but they've got a very strong top half of the league, about five teams. Um, and if Kansas isn't careful, they could find their set themselves towards the bottom of that uh, upper tier of the league. Um, I've been really impressed with Texas and Baylor so far. Uh, Baylor is just so defensively sound. And I was, I was really bummed that the game with Gonzaga got canceled this weekend. Um, that was going to be a highly entertaining game. And, and really a clash of two styles. Gonzaga is really up-tempo and can put up 100-plus points a game, and Baylor is very strong on the defensive end. Um, the ACC is a strong league and has a bunch of good teams, um, but as I was saying the first couple of weeks, uh, they've kind of struggled, um, UVA especially. So I, I agree that the ACC sitting number three is the correct assumption and statement. Yeah, I agree. I think it's. I think Big Ten is one A, Big Twelve is maybe one B, and then there's pretty yeah. a pretty big uh, gap between them and the ACC. Uh, the Big Ten just has such good quality and depth. Um, 
and they are a bigger conference. So, you know, they have that advantage. Big 12 has, you know, you know almost the entire league is, is solid. Um, and then the ACC, you know, the problem last year with the ACC was that there was just not enough elite teams. There was maybe four and then a huge gap between everybody else. Um, you know, the question is this year, you know, will some of those teams kind of emerge, um, uh, you know, will we have six, seven, eight, nine teams in the turn? Like we're, like we're used to last year, it was only going to be four or five. So, um, you know, the AC's got, got opportunities, but right now I think they're a distant third. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will also add, uh, I mentioned to you guys before we started recording that I'm, um, and all of our listeners are familiar with this. Obviously, I'm also an MSU guy, so you just you hate to see a world in which Rutgers is projected ahead of Michigan in the Big Ten standings. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just such a shame. Come such on, you got to throw crying a shame. They don't have much to to succeed. <laughs> and and for anybody who doesn't recognize it, that's my like one million percent sarcastic voice <laughs> it's a it's an amazing world in which Rutgers is ranked ahead of Michigan and I mean they they did finish ahead of them last year in the standings and that was just fantastic truly couldn't happen to a better first year head coach than Juwan Howard to finish ninth um but no uh so um I, I try not to let my my hatred of Michigan interject too much into these uh but I do I always have to make a dig at them when when I can so um but now, so this week, though, it's the Big Ten ACC Challenge, obviously, uh, since that's the topic of the podcast. So looking at the entire slate of games, all 14, uh, we're going to publish this on Tuesday. So before any games are played, uh, what do you guys think is going to be the uh, result this year? Big Ten won it last year. Are they going to win it again? Or is the ACC going to continue to reign supreme? I have the Big Ten winning 8-6 this year, uh, but that Pitt-Northwestern game is going to be the battle of the bottom bottoms of the league, and I kind of think that one's a toss-up, so I could see it ending in a tie 7-7, but um, I, ha- I have it 8-6, with the wins being for the ACC, Miami, FSU, Boston College, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and Clemson. Um, and then the wins for the Big Ten being Rutgers, Michigan, Iowa, Northwestern, Illinois, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. Um, as for the games to watch, I think the marquee game is clearly the Iowa-UNC game. That game is going to be really high scoring, and Luca Garza may not see a better front course the rest of the season. Um, and let me take a second to uh, praise Garza for a second. Uh, He's been absolutely sensational so far. He's over 30 points a game, and he's not even playing 30 minutes a game. Um, I know the season's young, but he's on pace to have uh, more more points per game in the Power Five since um, 1970. I think he's at 34, and in 1970, Johnny Newman had 40 points per game. But there's a lot of highly ranked matchups. So I wanted to touch on another matchup. I'm really intrigued by the FSU-Indiana game. I think FSU has a good balance of a bunch of older players and a freshman sensation in uh, Scotty Barnes. Um, Surprising nobody, I think Trace Jackson Davis is going to have a huge game as I don't see FSU being the defensive menace in the interior as they have been in the past. Um, I think FSU wins that in an extremely close game, but Trace has uh, 30-plus. 
Yeah, and I've I've got it um, shaking out eight six for uh, the Big Ten as well, Kevin. Um, I think they're just a little bit better, and we kind of talked about that. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten's just a little bit better of a league um, than the ACC. Um, I think the two games to watch, without a question, at least for me, are um, Iowa UNC and then Illinois Duke. I mean, um, you got two blue bloods pitted against two teams that have super high expectations. They're they're not usually um, you know, top 10 teams, but are expecting huge seasons. Um, guards are going up against that UNC front line with Garrison Brooks. I mean, that's such a great matchup. There's going to be a ton of points in that game. Guards is going to go off. I mean, he's really fun to watch. And then Illinois against Duke, you know, Illinois is coming off a loss against Baylor, but um, they're super talented. Duke's also coming off a loss. Um, and then I've also highlighted UVA, Michigan state. Those teams have a history in March. Um, Virginia needs to start winning some games because they have struggled so far. Um, and Wisconsin Louisville, two really well coached solid teams should be a good game. So this is a Nebraska podcast. So for all the praise that you guys give on Iowa, I have to balance it out now by reminding <laughs> all of our listeners that it should be an interesting one, but I doubt Iowa's going to win because angry Fran McCaffrey just still hasn't learned how to coach defense and to win those big games and uh, win things like big time conference titles, he needs to figure out how to coach defense because until he does, Garza can score all the points he wants, but (laughs) the other team has to not be able to score more. So, you know, got to throw some shade at, got to throw some shade at them. You know, it it is Nebraska. It could be 110 to a (laughs) hundred. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, I mean, I, it, it really is a shame that 2020 got canceled uh, in terms of the NCAA uh, tournament, because it would have been funny watching North Carolina not make the tournament. Um, <laughs> you know, I, not that I'm still bitter about the 2009 uh, title game or anything, but <laughs> a little bit. Um, no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it should be a great slate of games. I, I think you guys picked uh, a lot of good ones there. I don't know so much about that Georgia tech pick. Um, I, I obviously <laughs> rooting for the Huskers, but you know. I, I, hey, look, I really respect Fred, Fred Horberg as a coach. So um, I know you guys haven't probably come in with the most talent, at least last year, um, but I'm sure he's going to build up a great program. So I completely the best, agree. The best is ahead for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely trending up already in year two compared to year one. Um, great recruiting class already for 2021. So uh, certainly uh, I'm sure all of our listeners appreciate the, the praise for him. Um FSU Indiana too. Uh, interesting pick. Um, I think you guys make a good point and should be interesting game. We'll be curious though, because Indiana got absolutely creamed by Texas. And I know that they had a important injury on that one, but um, it's, it's curious. This is a really strong team. I, I like them a lot. <laughs> True. And again, it, it's tough, you know, cause Nebraska podcast, so I don't want to give too much praise to Texas. They're, they're a tough team by all means, but uh <laughs> I hoped Indiana would have been a little bit more competitive in that one, but you got all the teams you don't like. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, it's pretty easy to pick up on that quickly with me. So, um, but no, uh, any, uh, any more closing thoughts you guys have, um, you know, uh, want to let listeners know where to uh, read your stuff. Yeah. So from the rumble seat, that is the blog, um, Georgia tech sports. Um, and just, We've got, yeah. 
Yeah, let me also correct myself because in the beginning I I screwed up the the name. I I said Ramblin' Wreck, which obviously isn't that. Uh, no, from the Rumble Seat, obviously, which is based on Ramblin' Wreck. So, uh, my, my apologies for for blowing the intro there. But uh, no, thanks thanks a lot to both you guys for coming on. Um, again, listeners, as you all know, please subscribe. Be sure to download our podcast on whatever platform you prefer. That way you won't miss the next week's very special episode. You'll also get all the other great, but not quite as great, Coronation Radio podcasts as well. Uh, obviously, you know, there's Five Heart Podcast. Um, there's uh, John's Post-Life Crisis and a host of other great ones. Um, finally, please follow us on Twitter for all the latest Nebraska ball and Husker action at Bangs and Dags. You can follow me at Sparty on Huskers and my co-host who wasn't with us tonight um, at Patrick Gearhart. I'll leave a review. Uh, you can go on the Apple podcast app, Spotify, host of different uh, features like that, or by all means, leave a comment on the article and please listen and share, even if you don't feel like subscribing. Thanks a lot, folks. And you stay classy.